Now, I want to talk about penguins, not the tiny, fluffy, fairy penguins that live around the Australian coast, although I love talking about them too, but monster penguins. For six years, an international team of experts have been examining the fossilised bones of two bird species discovered in rocks on the South Island of New Zealand. It's now believed that the ancient bone fragments belong to a gigantic ancestors of our present-day penguins. I'm talking huge, giant penguins. Dr Daniel Sepka is a curator at the Bruce Museum in the United States and an expert in penguin paleontology. Dan, good morning. Good morning, Patricia. Thanks for having me. Tell us more about this really incredible and exciting discovery. What exactly was found? So we have two new species of extinct penguins, and my my colleague Alan Tennyson um, discovered these on beaches in New Zealand. One of them is quite a big bird, a little bit larger than an emperor penguin, and the other is a very big bird. Uh, We clocked it in at about 340 pounds, but uh, I guess that's only used in the U.S. anymore, so we're talking 155 kilograms or so for the rest of the world. <laughs> Has Have we ever found a giant penguin that big? Is this, like How much bigger is it than other species that we found? So it's uh, quite large. It's the largest um, on record according to our regression. So we basically measured hundreds of penguin bones of living species in order to established a relationship between flipper dimensions and weight. Um, and we, we arrived at that 155 value. Um, we've seen penguins that were in the range of, um, you know, maybe, I'm thinking in pounds again, but um, in the range for of translating. closer to 100 and, 116 kilos or 120 kilos. And so um, a pretty big step up from that. How surprised were you when you calculated the size of these birds? Well, by the time we did the calculation, I was only a little bit surprised that the first time I saw it, I'll tell you, I was blown away. Um, Alan opened the drawer that had the the flipper bone from the Kumimanu um, exposed in the rock, and I was just flabbergasted. At first, I wasn't even sure it was a penguin until I looked at it closer because it was just so massive. I mean, you hold an emperor penguin bone up and it's like half the size. So, um, yeah, it was a shocker the first time I saw it for sure. Why did they get so big? That's a great question, and I, I think there's a lot of reasons um, you might want to be big if you're a bird. And I think for penguins, one of the most important is probably thermoregulation. So the larger you are, the more efficient you generally um, can be about oh, about um, preserving um temperature. So if you're a bird that's diving in cold water, um, being able to conserve that body heat is great because it allows you to stay underwater longer and it allows you to um, burn less fuel um, to keep yourself warm. So that's, I think efficiency is the big reason um, keeping warm while you're out there in the oceans. And what theories do you have about the reasons for the extinction of these enormous birds? That's a mystery. You know, it's obviously penguins are still around today. We have a lot of wonderful species ranging from the pint-sized little penguin um, up to the emperor, but um, none of them approach Kumimanu or even get to the size of, of Petrodiptes. And um, there's a lot of debate over that. I, I don't think we've settled on one answer that we're 100% sure of, but I, I think one of the leading um, hypotheses is that we have competition with uh, marine mammals. And so things like seals and sea lions are starting to spread throughout the Southern Hemisphere. At around the same time, um, the largest penguins start to go extinct. And so it may be 
direct pressure from predation where they're actually eating the penguins. It could be competition for food. It could even be competition for breeding grounds where these, um, you know, pinnipeds, um, these seals and sea lions are monopolizing the shoreline and not leaving these these very big penguins comfortable places to build their nests. Um, and you can see that in the in the modern day, you know, you go to some of these localities and the the bull seals are fighting on the beach and the penguins are staying well clear of it. Okay, so you sort of see it play out. Obviously, um, uh, this this discovery is quite significant. What can it tell us about um, uh, about penguins and their evolution? So it it helps um, build this case that penguins achieved very large size um, relatively quickly after they first lost flight. Haven't found a flying penguin yet, but we we know they existed because we know their closest relatives are um, things like petrels and albatrosses. And so at some point there was a flying ancestor of, of the today's penguins. And once it gave up flight, it was free to get much bigger. You can't get really much bigger than one or two kilograms without um, kind of losing the ability to fly through the air. And so the muscle mass you need to propel yourself under the water for something like a puffin or an auk, um, you just can't maintain aerial flight once you get past a certain weight threshold. But if you don't pass that, um, you don't have as much strength. And so once you decide, I'm not flying anymore, they can get much larger, and that makes them, like we said, more efficient for thermal regulation. It lets them dive deeper. It lets them capture bigger prey. Um, and so I think it's a very good thing for penguins that they lost flight, you know, pretty recently, pretty briefly after the um, extinction that wiped out the dinosaurs. Mm. So they didn't take long to get big after that. Now, uh, you've mentioned the name that you've given them already, but can you just give me the the sort of history of why these names are being given to these two discoveries? Sure. So Kumimanu fordisai is the larger penguin. Um, Kumimanu is an existing genus name. It was um, named by some colleagues of ours a couple of years ago. Um, and that means basically monster bird in, in the Maori language. And fordisai is, is named after Ewan Fordyce. He is a professor at Otago University and um, a real wonderful guy. He's a mentor to so many students and postdocs in New Zealand and throughout the world. I, I'd count myself among that number. And just like a, amazingly prolific author, publishing papers, collecting fossils, um, helping set up museums and displays for the public. Uh, he's, he's done such a wonderful body of work. And so we wanted to um, pay tribute to him there. And Dan, it's also a wonderful storyteller. <laughs> yeah, um, as are you. Now, Dan, give me the give me a sense of just how much work goes into making these discoveries, uh, specifically about penguins, which is your specialty, uh, and why that kind of investment is necessary. Yeah, so there's um, a lot that goes into a project like this. Obviously, first the fossils have to be found, um, and that's. Sometimes a matter of luck, sometimes a matter of spending a lot of time in the right areas. Um, sometimes they're found by members of the public who contact local museums, and we're always very grateful to that. In this case, um, Alan Tennyson, my co-author, he discovered these as you know part of his um, regular field efforts. Um, so then you've got to get them out of the rock, <laughs> and this can take a tremendous amount of time. It can be hundreds of hours or even thousands of hours to remove a fossil completely um, from the rockets encased in. And so this is often a big roadblock um, or choke point in getting fossils kind of into the scientific um, 
literature. And then, of course, you've got to figure out what it is, come up with a name for it if it's something new. Um, in the case of this project, we, we laser scan the bones so we can make replicas of them and kind of put one of the bones back together. It was kind of broken and twisted into three pieces, so we digitally repaired it, so to speak. Um, we met, did a lot of measurements to look at the mass in this case and also looking at um, different evolutionary models to figure out where exactly in the penguin family tree these species belong. And so each project's different depending on what you're interested in, how big was it, what was it related to, why did it go extinct, what did it eat? Um, there's so many different questions you can ask. And I mean, I, hopefully others will come back to these fossils again and look at them in different ways than we did too. So once they're in a museum, they're a resource for future generations to learn more from, sometimes in ways we can't predict. Um, you know, we have CT scanners now to look inside the brain cases of these extinct animals. We didn't have that, you know, 40 years ago. And so who knows what we'll have 40 years in the future. So interesting, Dan. Thank you so much for your time. Absolutely. Thank you very much for having me. Dr. Daniel Sepka is a curator of the Bruce Museum and a specialist in penguin paleontology. ABCRN helps you understand the world. Find more of our stories on the ABC Listen app. Hi, podcasters. Just thought I'd give a quick shout out to The Science Show. I read your text, so I know you all love a good science story. Of course you do. So check out The Science Show with the fabulous Robin Williams on the ABC Listen app or wherever you get your podcasts.